from St. John's Gospel, Jesus answered it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. In the name of the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning. You're going to have to be really loud today because there's not that many of us here. You know, my dad used to say to me as a kid, he said, you know, son, life is full of surprises. And I think this week, certainly of any time, bears that out. I mean, who would ever have thought, I never would have thought, I'd see the day where I was preaching a sermon to a very few people and having it being broadcast online on the website. I never thought I'd see the day the majority of people in this, my congregation will be watching the service from the internet. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Hope you're there. I never thought I'd see the day when I was called to minister to a congregation in the midst of a pandemic. That never even crossed my mind. I never thought I would see the day that you went to Wawa to get coffee, and they had to serve it for you with little hand covers so you didn't touch the cups. I never thought I'd see the day when I got a letter from one of my prisoners, who I mentioned yesterday in my email, who has contracted the virus, the coronavirus. She'll be okay. I spoke to her on Friday. Thanks be to God. And I turn a question back on you, right? How many of you thought you'd be in a situation like that? How many of you thought you'd be forced to live in quarantine for fear of a virus that emerged out of Wuhan, China? Where, I don't even know where that is. How many of you thought you'd have to live through a period of lockdown, of curfew, of fear, where toilet paper is the new medium of exchange? Friends, we live in a strange world. Life is, in fact, let me submit to you today, full of surprises. Thomas Paine said famously, and I think this is fitting for all of us today, that these are the days which try men's souls. And he doesn't mean just men. He means men and women, of course. But these are the days, right, where we are tested, where we are, we are tried, like Scripture says, in the fire, right? We are refined. These are the days which try men's souls. His words could not be more fitting than they are today. But here's the question for this morning that I want to dive in on, and it's a biggie. Is there a purpose to it? To what end? I would say to my girls, when they say, Deb, what, you know, X, Y, Z, and they're thinking about stuff, I would say, to what end? What's the goal? What's the purpose? What's the point? We, you know, we've been saying all Lent that Lent is a chance that the church gives to us, that Scripture gives to us, that Jesus gives to us. Lent is a chance for us to learn to suffer and suffer well. And friends, it appears... This is going to sound strange, but I'm going to say it because it's true. It appears that God, in his goodness, has given to us this very opportunity. An opportunity, friends, to learn to suffer well. Here's the question for today. How do we, as Christians, who have been saved by Jesus, who trust in the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, of all things seen and unseen, how should we not run from, but in fact, even embrace the suffering that goes on around us. The, embrace the suffering that the Lord has called us to, to learn, to carry our cross, to be examples to a world which is just scared and fearful, to show people around ourselves a better way. I'm going to show you something. And today, in John's gospel, we see a man 
who I've preached this text a hundred times, well, a hundred, but I've preached it before, never thought of it this way before. This man who Jesus encounters with the Pharisees, he's a, he's a blind beggar, right? So he's the guy at the very bottom of the barrel. He's a guy whose entire life has been lived in submission to those around him. A man who is a victim. Jesus meets this man, and the rabbis, the Pharisees, the people say, Jesus, who sinned? This man? Or his parents, that he was born blind. Think, think about that. Who sinned, Jesus? Who's, who sinned? Who, whose fault is this? This man's fault or his parents? Now, I want you to stop and I want you to ask you a question. This is a, this is a real question. Why do they ask that? Why on earth would they ask Jesus, whose fault is this? I'll tell you why. Because the human heart abhors a vacuum. The human heart abhors a vacuum. We want to know the cause so that we can control it. We want to know the cause so that we are not victims. Let me, explain, let me just give you this. The CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, has projected that this year, this flu season, 2019 to 2020, the season we are in right now, that the CDC projected that in the United States, our flu season this year will kill somewhere in the neighborhood of 22,000 to 55,000 people in the U.S. 55,000 people are projected to die in the flu season, not, not, not corona. I mean, just a regular plain old garden variety flu. Here's the question. Why are we freaking out about that? Why is the world not shut down for the plain old flu? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because we understand the flu. We know what it is. And in fact, we can vaccinate against it, which means, aha, we can control it. But see, the danger and the fear in all of this, friends, this coronavirus, this strange thing from Wuhan, China, we can't control it. We don't understand it. We don't even know where it came from. Some unnamed man eating some strange animal they got in some bizarre food market, maybe. Or an intentional or maybe even accidental release of weaponized virus by the Chinese or the Americans or the Russians, maybe. Who knows? I am fairly certain, however, that Joel Olstein had nothing to do with this, so we can rest in that. But, you know, here's the thing. I want, I want you to think about this. We, like the Pharisees, we want to know who's to blame because we want to have control. That's where all of this fear comes from. I will be very surprised. You know, we're only a week into this, a week or two. I will be very surprised in the coming weeks if things do not change quickly that we will see people blaming others for what's going on. And in fact, just this morning, I was watching the news when I woke up, and there was a TV, a TV guy interviewing spring breakers down in Miami. People, these kids on spring break, and they're partying up, man, doing whatever kids do for spring break, and everyone's just shaking their heads and blaming these spring breakers, right? Well, it's going to happen. Why? Because when we are fearful, we blame. And eventually, just wait, just wait for it. People will blame God. Did you notice that the Pharisees actually do that very thing? They say, who is to blame, this man or his parents? Well, actually, if you think about it for a second, who they're really blaming in that question is God. Because he is the one who, who would be the one who would imply or impose this penalty. It would ultimately be his fault. And we all do it. But I want to challenge you on something. I mean, how many, how many of you, how many of you, outside this coronavirus thing, 
How many of you have said to yourself, God, what have I done to deserve this? Why me? Why my kids? Why my wife? Why my family? Why me? Guess what? I want you to take heart in that. I'm not, I'm not criticizing you. I actually want to show you something. The minute you blame God, and we all do it, or at least question him, even Jesus does it from the garden of Gethsemane and from the cross. The minute you do that, let me just make you realize something. The minute you do that, you acknowledge that he exists. And you acknowledge that he has the power to change it. Yeah, we're scared. We're unsure. We got fearful. You know, people don't blame Barney. They don't blame Peter Pan. They don't blame the fairy godmother or Pinocchio. Why? Because they know those things aren't true. They do blame God or at least question him. And I want you to be, think of this a new way that's actually proof to show that people believe in him. Jesus says something very profound. I want to share this with you today. He says, you know, folks, in this world, you will have trouble. That word is second person plural in Greek, y'all, right? Use guys. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. We will have trouble. We will have suffering, struggle. But Jesus says, look, don't fear this. Don't sweat it. I've overcome the world. I've overcome this. And if you think about it for a second, he's right. Let me ask you a question. What is the very worst thing that can happen to you? The very worst thing. What is the worst thing that can happen to you? I remember once uh, ministering to a woman in my, in my parish back in Red Bank, New Jersey. Her name was Vivian Ott. May she rest in peace. Vivian Ott was 105 years old. I was a brand new rector at Trinity Red Bank, and I'd never ministered to somebody throughout the entire dying process, right? It sounds so sanitized. But I'd never done that with anybody before, but I had an opportunity to do it with her, and I knew her well, and I loved her. We had a great friendship, and she was great. And I asked her a question once. I said, hey, Viv. And she said, yep. I said, what does it feel like? What does it feel like to be dying? And you know what she said to me? This rocked my world. And she's right. I said, Viv, what does it feel like to know that you're dying? And she said to me, Father Chris, we're all dying. See, it's not a matter of if, but when. Right? <laughs> Is this just me? Or <laughs> it's not a matter of if, but when. And if that's the worst thing that the world can give you, then guess what? I got good news for you, literally. And it's the good news to which you and I have been called, that Jesus conquers it. He says, in this world, you will have struggle, but I've, I've, I've handled this already. Don't sweat it. Jesus has conquered death. He was crucified, died, buried. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. And he tells us that we, like him, will be raised from the dead when he returns. So here's the question, and that's a biggie. What are you worried about? Yeah, we're scared. We're fearful. I mean, it's, it's a terrifying thing. But if you think about it as a Christian, death, yeah, bring it. St. Paul says this famously. I love St. Paul. He's such a complicated character. But one of the things I love about him, he's a straight shooter. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, right? Paul knows he's about to get, get the ax. He knows his day, days are numbered because they're going to kill him. And he says, yeah, okay. They may kill me. All right. Oh, death, I love this. It's so defiant. I love it. Paul says, oh, death, where is thy victory? Oh, death, where is thy sting? Bring it. Bring it. See, if Jesus has overcome the world, then our response has to be not fear but joy. Look again at this story from today. 
this man born blind, this nobody, this guy who Jesus saves, Jesus says his suffering is not due to blame. It's not because his parents or himself or God even. He says, he says in fact, that this man's suffering is so that the marks of God may be, dis- the, sorry, the works, this is an important word, This man suffers so that the works of God, the works of God may be displayed in him. In other words, what Jesus is saying, he's telling us that this suffering has a purpose. There's a reason for it. He says this man is suffering so that God's power can be shown through him. That word for works is the word erga. It's a Greek word. Ergonomics, right? That's what it comes from. And it means power. It means to take something and mold it into something better. To take a lump of clay and make a pot out of it. To be a doctor and fix somebody who's sick. To take something that was here and make it better. Ergot. Jesus says, no, no, this man, this man has suffered to show that God can do something amazing. This man's condition will result in God's work and show that he, God, changes lives for good. The man is healed, right? Jesus takes mud. Boy, you could never do this with the coronavirus scare today, but takes mud, spits on the mud, puts it on the man's eyes, makes mud out of it, and the man is healed. Friends, it changes him. God's work, God's power is manifested through that man's suffering, and I'm telling you something right now, he'll do it with you too. If you are a believer, if you are suffering, listen, listen. This suffering is transformative. Don't run from it. Embrace it. It changes you. It changes you. This man goes out. He's healed. He's healed. And he goes out, and nobody can stop him. Nobody can stop this man from going around and telling people what Jesus has changed his life. And friends, that's your call too, and mine. Look, we're all scared. We're all fearful. We're all worried what's going to happen. But let me challenge you to think about this for a second. If Christ has saved you, your call as a Christian is to be out telling about his calming presence, reassuring people everything will be okay and not in some stupid sentimental way, but because Jesus has conquered it. Let them see that you as a Christian are someone who has peace, not despite conflict, you see, but in the midst of it. Like this man born blind, I'm going to challenge you and I'm challenging myself, too, because this ain't easy. Be a living testimony, like this man born blind, of a person who trusts God, even when things are out of our control, because guess what? They're never out of his. You know, Psalm 23, which the choir, you guys sound great today, by the way. Thank you for your ministry. Psalm 23, I want to challenge you to read it again. He says, uh, you know, the psalmist, most people think that this is the psalm that David wrote when he recounts when he went to fight Goliath, right? Goliath of Gath. And he runs across the field to go after Goliath. And David knows, man, this is going to be a close one. But David goes and runs towards Goliath because he trusts God. And he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David says, surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father Greater said the other day, this is great. He said, you know, this is not a drill. (laughs) This is not a drill. These are, in fact, the times that try men's souls. Friends, just remember Jesus reigns. Jesus wins. And he is in control. 
and you are his. Shall we pray? Father, give us the courage and wisdom to carry our cross, to suffer well, to trust in you. Let our faith shine to a world that is panicked and fearful that they might see your works manifested through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinityvero.org and follow us on Facebook.